Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 225, and it's a Friday bonus, and it might be the biggest Friday bonus I've ever done. Um, yeah, it's Spike Lee. That's quite exciting, isn't it? Um, I was delighted to get asked to have Spike Lee on. Um, it was amazing. I was sitting there waiting, and before me was the BBC, and then Jonathan Ross, and then there's my little old podcast. And after me was Blind Boy of the Rubber Bandits. I don't know if he's announced it yet, but yeah, he was next. So it's mad that, yeah, we're getting to do this this crazy stuff in esteemed company. It was great. It was a press chunk again, which a lot of you will now know that I do do as long as they give me enough time. And they did. They gave me 40 minutes or 45 minutes. So, yeah, amazing talk. I should mention that, as ever, we're brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. I won't give as much of a plug as usual as this is a bonus episode, so I already plugged it on Wednesday. But we have just redesigned the web store over at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. So head over, have a bit of a look. It's free to look around. I'm not asking you to spend anything. Just Go and have a look and see if it all all works correctly and you can let me know. Um, also, if this is your first time tuning in, we've had some great guests in the past that you might enjoy from uh, directors like Coralie Fargay, um, loads, uh, Craig Sala. But also, uh, I had, as as I mentioned in the podcast, I had Patricia Kalurs of Black Lives Matter um, on uh, this year. But also... I had a writer called Alexis Okowu, and it's a really unsung kind of hero of an episode. Um, she's She wrote a book called A Moonless Starless Sky, and it's fantastic, and it's a collection of stories of normal individuals f- fighting extremism in Africa. And it's really, it's, 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 it's a great episode, so check that out. Um, I think I mentioned in this one, I mentioned the Killer Mike episodes, check Killer Mike out. I also had a Carla on, um, a couple of years back and he gives a great kind of uh, a black history lesson essentially so yeah had some great people on i'm just going to scroll through and see who, uh, who else i've had on recently obviously people like simon Pegg and martin freeman are great episodes uh, vicky mcclure stephen graham all sorts lena heady plenty of good people to go and check out i was hugely excited to get the chance to speak to Spike Lee. He's literally a living a legend, so it meant the world to get to. You will hear, I'm going to talk about it more at the end, but you will hear, I got my first ever um, no comment in this. And anyone who's a regular listener will know that I'm not a hard-hitting journalist. I have just relaxed conversations. I never want someone to feel uncomfortable. Um, but I had something I wanted to bring up and put to Spike, and it's weird, you you might hear in the start that I'm a little bit more nervous than usual, and it's because I knew I wanted to ask a, a more a, a question that may or, or may not have gone down well. And thankfully, we kind of answered it all over the podcast anyway, even though it was no commented. I will speak more on it at the end because I don't want to just tell you the podcast before you've, you've listened to the podcast. So I'll shut up and get on with it. This is episode 225 with the legend that is Spike Lee. Jump straight 
straight well, in. A mixed board too. I've got a little mixed board. I like it. I don't like relying on laptops. It scares me because yeah. they can just go wrong and I want to be concentrating on the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I've got my little mixing desk. Yes. Um, I'm joined by Spike Lee. How are you doing, man? Good. Yourself? Yes, I'm good. Are you? How's it all been going on kind of the press run? and it's been going good. Uh, got here to London town Friday. Yeah. Uh, my family was here. They left today. It was great. We went to see the Michael Jackson off the wall exhibit. Oh, wow. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. What are you waiting for? Yeah, I need to get there. Is the National Gallery? Yeah. Is it good? It's great. Amazing. Why? You don't like Michael Jackson? Everyone likes Michael Jackson. You ain't seen the exhibit? Yeah, I need to get down there. I'm not a London boy. No? I'll be getting along. I'll be getting along. Okay, please do. So, um, we had a screening last night at, at BFI. Yes. Went very well. And then tonight, there's another one at BAFTRA. Yep. And then tonight, there's also a premiere of uh, Idris' film. Yardy. I'm Yardy. going along to that. My friend St- Stephen Graham's in that. Yeah, so, so um, he's having he's getting a party tonight. So uh, I'll see you at that as well then. We're, yes, and then gonna... uh, I'll probably go from the party to the airport because I have to yeah. go home tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, damn, that's an intense tr- a, a trip though. How is it? Because um, obviously I want to talk about a lot of different things, but primarily – we're going to fo- focus on Black Klansmen. How's it been that this is being hyped as kind of as 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 the return of 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 Spike Lee? And I get my, that my it, answer. Where did I go? Yeah, exactly. But that's it. It is. It's it's it's, it's the return. I grew up on 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 do the right thing right. and all this kind of. And it has been kind of in the last few years. Your mm. return to telling stories of the black community and, and, and black cinema, where you had kind of a variation, Passover was another example of this, of telling stories from the corners and things like that. So, so what's drawn you back to, to, to telling well, these stories I don't think, such? Again, I don't think I ever left. Uh, right. I've, if you look, if, when someone goes to IMDb and looks at my body of work, every film is not Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X. Yeah. You know, is there's uh, there's variety to the to the stories, of course, to the, the storytelling. And Black Plants was not planned. Yeah, Jordan Peele called me out of the blue to do this. I I never knew that. I didn't know Ron Stallworth. I didn't know of his book. I did not know that he was the first black person to enter the, to become part of the Colorado Springs. Uh, Police department. I know he infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan. I just didn't know it. Yeah. So, so how was it to learn of this story and kind of I mean, investigate it Jordan, to tell it? He, Jordan Peele called me up. Yeah. And I read the book, and the script had been written. Yeah. And that was it. How is it on a on a story when you're um, portraying real life events? How is it to choose what you focus on? What you go into I always thought um, I, I loved Straight Outta Compton and right. there was some backlash on that because it didn't address Dre's um, domestic abuse things right. like that and whilst I think that stuff has to be acknowledged I also feel you're telling a story so you can't literally mm-hmm. just tell every beat every moment it needs to have pace well, it, it comes down to being an editor yeah. you know what stuff when it, any any film comes down to what, what story we're going to tell yeah we're leaving in, yeah. and what we're taking out, or what we're not going to deal with at all. Yeah. So and those are those decisions made by the people who are in in power. But 
we really wanted to. Kevin Wilmot and I, we were the co-writers. We 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 rewrote the script. Yeah, and we wanted to focus on the premise. This man was the first black person to join the Colorado Springs Police Department in Colorado. Yeah. Also, he infiltrated the Klan. Yeah. That's the story. So, and it's a hell of a story. Yeah, it's so. I mean, it's one of those things, strange but true. Yeah. So that was the main thing. And another thing we wanted to do, Kevin and I, we wanted this to be had the look and feel of a seventies film, right? A look and feel of a period piece, being the seventies, but also that was contemporary at the same time. Yeah. So people not be thinking, oh, well, I'm going to see history lesson. No. People think, well, this happened a long time ago. No. The stuff you've seen is still, when you leave the theater, the stuff you've seen is still happening today. It it, it left me in tears at the end, genuinely. And and that's, I mentioned it on, on that's another That's hard thing. to do. It's, it is hard. And it's it's that's a, a, a pleasure in a cinematic situation. But when you're in a screening room, of other journalists, it's awkward as fuck. I kind of, I, I darted out of there before the lights came up. But it's, it's what I liked about it, and it's what you're, you, you've, you've, you've really refined is telling a story that, as you're going along, because as you, you said, you might go in thinking this is going to be a history lesson. T- ten minutes in, it's light, it's fun, it's entertaining, and it's what I think is one of the best things of of a Spike Lee joint is that you have that detachment, enjoyment, laughing along, and then you slap the viewer around the face with a reality as such, and mm-hmm. and, and and that's impactful. Is is that important to you to go, this is all good and fun, but look, this is serious as well, to have that balance, I guess? Well, I would say that it was natural for this film to have humor in it because uh, the, the premise is so absurd, yeah. and abs- absurdity it's invites... L- Laughter. It's literally a Dave Chappelle sketch. Yes. That, that actually happened, essentially. That actually happened. Before <laughs> Dave Chappelle was yeah, Dave exactly, Chappelle. Exactly, yeah. But at the same time, Kevin and I really were sure we, we had to make the distinction that we're, we're not making a comedy. Yeah. The humor is being derived from the situation. Yeah. Because the difference between comedy and humor. Yeah. And some of my favorite films dealt with very serious, serious subject matters. But had human him, Doctor Strangelove, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Peter Sellers. So it can be done. Yeah. But it's hard to get the right balance of the two. Yeah. That, because you know, if it's imbalance, it's not going to work. Yeah. The imbalance is there, and the tone is not going to work. And that's that's completely right. Because again, you you, you don't want to take it too lightly, but equally, you want it to be the the more comfortable it is to watch as such the more comfortable a journey the more eyes are going to see it and the more people are going to be impacted but when you do have that but i like to wait a minute hold on a second because there's some things i mean i remember looking at center's list i don't remember ever laughing at you know so there's different ways to do it yeah you know there's no as i tell my students my graduate film school there's no one way to do it so but for this film it's appropriate to have numerate because of the just the premise. Yeah, the ludicrousness of yeah. the, of, of the, the reality mm-hmm. that happened there. Um, I'm a massive Prince fan, so so having... This is his pen. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's his. And, and having um, a Mary 
Mary, don't, don't, you, don't weep. you weep having that huge impact an unreleased Prince song previously how important is music to you in 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 your making of films in your telling of stories for me music is just important as the dialogue yeah the yeah. acting <laughs> acting yeah. when I hear that but yeah. the cinematography <laughs> right. the production design the costume design the editing music is one of the I think one of the greatest tools a filmmaker can have yeah used right yeah yeah, I've never been a person like where you just stick a hit song and have a hit song in a movie. That's not really utilized. I think that what a what a song can do for you. Yeah, completely to to, to have that impact. And it, again, it's perfect in that way because it is a song that's got that feeling. But because it was unreleased, you're not just going, "Oh, here's that song that you're you've got preconceived connection to," and therefore I'm tapping into that emotion, like it can be with. Johnny Cash Hurt or a Coldplay song or whatever else like here's the bit you feel sad on it's it's getting that from the genuine feeling of it but it's also the song too because Mary Don't You Weep is a Negro spiritual yeah and this is a song that comes out of pain yeah out of anguish songs that were sung in church songs that were sung in the cotton fields yeah Tobacco fields where you had to work from can't see in the morning to can't see at night. So I, I, I feel, I really feel I was blessed. I feel Prince wanted us to have that song for it. Just, it was on the cassette. Wow. It's recorded, this, this was recorded, a bunch of songs recorded on the cassette in 1983. And all of a sudden, this cassette just pops up. Yeah. That was not. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he wanted us to add that. The timing's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and timing's a key part here. I, I felt it's a weird one because films obviously take years to get off the ground, to get made, to get in. Um, and last year I was speaking to Will Poulter, who was in, in, in Detroit, and at that point I was saying how it's the most, unfortunately, a well-timed release because it came out ju- just as there was literally riots on the streets and it was hideous. And it's Or Detroit? Yeah, 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 and 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 it's similar. It's similar here with Black Klansman. You're telling this story from long ago, and again, in no positive way is it good timing. But the timing seems so prevalent and relevant. Because oh, it's of positive with this. It's positive to me. Yeah, with this midterm election coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. in the states, and then two years after that, the presidential election. So, I think I'm definitely making a comment on uh, this administration with yeah. this film. Yeah. So, so how 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 was that making it to kind of to be making a period piece, but to see so much of 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 the issues that you're seeing still still alive and well as such? Well, we it was by design because we wanted to have those issues yeah. in this film, and so people could make the connection, which we which we felt wouldn't be that hard. That was happening back then; it's still happening today, and yeah. we got to do something about it. Yeah. So, what was the kind of thinking on 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 the statements that needed to be made here? Because the 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 uh, a prevalent theme, obviously, it's called Black Klansmen, is is the issues of the far right and their impact and threat to Black society, to Black community, to Black arts. To, but I, to black I would people. say that the far right is is. I wouldn't just, just say they affect they affect the world on on negative, not just black people. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So 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 how was it? 
when looking at the story and selecting what to focus on? Because in America at the moment, in particular, in recent years, the main threats, you would say, are the far right and have been the police. And in this film, the police are presented as 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 allies in many ways. It's kind of how like, not all. all I mean, they they. In this, I mean, there's a scene where Ron Stoller asks him about the guy. Who's been, who's been on him? He said, "Yeah, he killed. He killed the kid." Yeah, and so he said, "Are you going to tell people about him?" He said, "No, no. We, you know, we're we stick together." Yeah, this thing, though, I believe I'm a firm believer in time, and everything happens for a reason. And there's a reason that Jordan Peele called me at that moment to make this film, and we. There's an urgency to this film because I wanted to get it out. The film was released uh, in the States, the one-year anniversary of Charlottesville. Yeah. So I think it's an urgent film. I think people feel the urgency in the filmmaking. They feel the urgency in the acting. And, like, it's, it's, a, it's a call to action. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how how have, has, has, has your approach to filmmaking changed as, as, as since the early days? Have you... What do you look at when you approach a project and when you're coming in? Is it the, the, the story that, that, that you're trying to tell kind of off the screen and, and a comment on society, or is it purely focusing on the story inside? Well, for me, everything is determined by the script, so yeah, it all depends what the script is. I think I've gotten better as a filmmaker. I'm, I better be. I'm going to my fourth dev fourth decade yeah yeah and it's a matter of finding new stories to tell finding new ways to tell those new stories and continue to build my body of work that's that's really that simple yeah so i mean the cinematography in this was was stunning and the name is chase irvin and and young cat young cat he's he's done music videos in the past right i'm sure well he shot a large he shot a large portion photograph a large portion of beyonce's uh lemonade yeah so so was that what kind of 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 made you aware of him yeah i i had seen lemonade but i didn't know that he did it yeah yeah and so once i was trying to get a you know put the word out i was looking for dps that was on his reel i said i like that yeah yeah. So, so how how is that? How's your collaboration with the DOPs? Because because it, 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 it's such a key part, isn't it? It's, it's them interpreting your your vision. It's so you've got to have key. a good very relationship key. there, right? And we spent some time together before I gave the job because you got you got to have the relationship between the director and DP is so intense and so close. The two have to be in sync. Yeah. If it's not, it's, it, does, it doesn't. It's hard enough to make a movie, yeah, without you know being in in sync with your DP. Yeah, of course. So, how are you feeling now that you've worked on this, you've put it out, and 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 people are reacting well. People are seeing that how relevant it is. And again, the 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 backhanded compliment of the return of Spike Lee, but still, it's it's. It's, it, it must be exciting Two and important to have those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm very happy with the reception of the film, and it started from the very beginning at the world premiere of Black Klansman in Cannes. So yeah. It opened the States already, opens here in the UK Friday. Yeah. 
I've done a ton of interviews. We had a screening last night at BFI. Tonight's going to be at BAFTA. And the film has been received very well. So yeah. I have no complaints. How have you felt on the on the focus on, on, on where you focus? Um, uh, Boots Riley has, has spoken recently. I don't know if you've, if, if you've heard this, but... I got no comment for that. No? No comment. Okay, that's not a problem at all. I said, it's, 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 it's one for me that I think everyone brings their own, own bias to a situation. And, that's, and, that's human nature, but yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not even... That's cool. Stuff, and not again, it's, that, it's, it's, it's picking the points on a fictional story that mm. you're telling, and, mm. and you can't, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't ad- address everything. So how do you feel with, with the state of America at the moment and what the move... I'm alarmed forward is because this is this is a statement piece to kind of say look we're we're in a bad situation and we need to very bad but also i like to say i like to say i like to further that statement by saying we're in a bad situation around the world yeah not just the united states of america this rise of the right is is no joke this serious business and we have brexit right here and yeah Penn in france and it's it's scary the rise of this this far right yeah and, and what do you feel kind of not what's the solution, but what is it's 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 bizarre that it's coming in the same at the same era of a great rise in black cinema, in black storytelling, in black art. You know, is is it's weird that these things are happening at once, it, it, or is it the same that the reason well, they're happening I at think once? One is a reaction to the other. Yeah. Yeah. And and don't leave out eight years of Obama as president of the United States too. Yeah, yeah. Of course. So so how have you felt watching? Because you you were there at at what is a golden era of 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 black cinema with gr- gr- growing up for me with do the right thing at the same time as menace and boys in the hood and things like that mm. and it does feel with get out and and black panther and all these other things that we're we're kind of getting back to that so how are you finding that as a i'm very encouraged by any time that that there's progress made and more people of color are able to tell their stories and 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 make money from it and be accepted by the public, black, white, brown, whatever, yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what um, motivates you in in a story, as said, it's that kind of thing that you were saying, you've always just gone from this script point of view. What draws you in? What makes it something that you're excited to work on and a story that you're excited to tell? It's hard for me to describe, but I just have this intuition thing, this, this stomach I get. I mean, this this feel I get in my stomach, like this is a good story. But yeah. for me to say what those ingredients are, I really can't do. But I, when I read something or hear something, something just clicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and do you find a, an excitement to return to working with people that that you cl- cl- click on? I was excited in in Black Klansman to see um, Azaria Whitlock. A junior, because yeah. I love Twenty Fifth Hour, and that was it. In Twenty Fifth Hour, he says she. People but think it's done before the wire. The wire. Exactly no, no. that. That, that yeah, was say that again. Let people yeah, say that again. Exactly that. In Twenty Fifth Hour, which came out in in, in two thousand and two, which is when the wire started as well, but it's prior to that. Isaiah's in there, who 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 is Clay Davis in, right. in the wire, and as he's searching Ed Norton's room, and they find the planted drugs, he goes she, she. which became iconic in the wire. <laughs> And it's that weird thing of that, that, that that's 
that's where it started. So, uh, right. but you've continued to work with him on yeah. on Black Klansman. I said these. I think he's said it. Maybe six times. Made my films six yeah. times. But when people hear him say that, they're like, "Hey, just gonna go crazy." Yeah. That's it. It is always associated onto the wire, but it's yeah. that mm-hmm. it's that history there. So, how was it on on Black Klansman? Adam Driver has a a, a good profile and a big, big Adam profile. Adam Driver, yeah. oh yeah. But Great people to like work with. John David Washington in the lead and Laura Harrier as well were both amazing. They they do have smaller profiles and they are newer actors. So how was that to kind of push these new faces? to the front and say, look how amazing they are. Well, I'm always been about exposing new talented people to the world. Yeah. Uh, Do the Right Thing was Rosie Perez's first film. Wow, yeah. Martin Lawrence's first film. Jungle Fee was Halle Berry's first film. Yeah. Queen Latifah's first film. Uh, Robin Harris, Do the Right Thing was his first film. So, Mackay Pfeiffer for... Uh, Clockers. Yeah. So I've always had like a, a set aside, one or two roles where I would like to give somebody a chance to, to show what they can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how is that? Is there a, an edge of your seat type thing there? Because you're, you're often you're testing un, no, untested. No, I got to know. I mean, they just don't get the part. Like, yeah. I yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. got to do some work before yeah. they get the part. Yeah. And sometimes people aren't up to the task and yeah. they don't get it. So, uh, how was it working on 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 Passover, which is again an, another release of yours uh, uh, this year? I watched it on Amazon, and it's great because it's it's shining a light on 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 black theatre on stories being told right. not just on the screen. Because right. again, generally, whilst we may maybe having a boom in in black cinema in black TV. It's still saying, here's the places that these stories are meant to be told. And this is a story that takes place on the corner, essentially. And the west, uh, west, south side of Chicago. Yeah, and, right. and that's it. And it takes, but it's it's on stage and it is this surreal and confusing and ex- expressive piece that, that, again, you get drawn in, it's similar to Black Clansman, you get drawn in on the lightness and the interaction of the characters and then it hits you with the. this is the reality. So, so mm. how was that? And was that an important thing to kind of say, I want that to That was put very this out important. There? The playwright and I share the same agency, and her agent sent the play to me. Yeah. Because I had not seen the play. The play debuted in Steppel from Chicago, but when I got the script, it had been down. Right. So I met with her. I took it to Amazon and said, let's, 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 let's film this play, and I'm very happy the way it turned out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how do you feel about the strange juxtaposition that we have with Amazon and Netflix and whatnot providing opportunities for films that maybe wouldn't have made it but also meaning that a lot of films aren't necessarily making it into the cinema and people are watching films on their phone or on their tablets rather than on these beautiful huge screens as you said at the BAFTA at the BFI at these places that are made to hold hold works of art essentially well I'm ambivalent about it because uh, I understand that the world changes and everybody doesn't go to the movie theater like they did. Yeah. Everybody, for the most part, has widescreen TVs, and people aren't really come out that they haven't left their events. I understand also that places like Amazon and Netflix do stuff 
that the studios would never touch. Hundred percent. So, a lot of most, a lot of the most interesting material is being seen on uh, Netflix and Amazon. So, at the same time, I when I make films, I like to have theatrical releases. Yeah. And then further down the line, it ends up where you see it on your phone, your device, or at home. So. I guess I'm old, I guess I'm old school. Yeah, yeah. And just the fact that uh, last night at, at BFI, I asked somebody's phone and held it. Were you there last night? Held no, it. no, I wasn't. Last night, asked somebody's iPhone. I held. It. I said, "Do you understand that they're young people?" And I said, "Since we're in, in England, they're young people. The first time I'm going to see David Lean's Doctor Zhivago, boom." Yeah. Bridge River Choir, boom, Lawrence Arabia. It's on the iPhone. Yeah. And sometimes it's, they're not even, they're, they're not, it's not even horizontal, it's vertical. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're making it even smaller. Oh my God. It's, I said, David Lean is rolling as a grave. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it, it's not only, it's, as we've talked about, the film is about. The cinematography, the acting, the dialogue, and everything, but also the the sound and the songs and the impact, and that coming out of a tinny speaker on one s- side of your phone isn't going to get across the, the the art and the the amount of time. And you'll know from spending hours on, or not hours, ye- years or months on edits on every tiny detail, a sound mixing too. Yeah, yeah, that it's just not going to be appreciated how it's meant to be, right? Sad but true. Yeah. Sad but true. So, who has influenced you over the years of of in in cinema? Because it feels like one of the things that's always excited me about your work and your career is it feels like you came in excited and fresh and a new voice, but then was also not or, or happy to, to to learn and take influence along the way and be proud of your influence. Not kind of go, I know what's best. Here I am. Here's my vision. So, so who's kind of influenced you, or what kind of jumps out as 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 big moments? Uh, I can name films and filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Two films by the team of Bud Schilberg, the writer. Yeah. And Ilya Kazan, director. On the waterfront. Yeah. And the face in the crowd. Yeah. Charles Lawton's film, Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Starring Robert Mitchum. Uh. West Side Story, Pusciotte, Brazilian film directed by Hector Babenco. Right. Godfather 1 and 2. Hmm. Chinatown. Robert Town directed by... I'm blanking. <laughs> Roman Polanski. Yes. So those those are some of the films that come to mind. It's beautiful there because it's looking at a lot of... a lot of noir, a lot of traditional Hollywood and mm. to to take the influence take what you need from them and what you need to be influenced by and put them into modern stories mm-hmm. is what makes that excitement. Is there, is it important to be able to detach technique approach from specific stories or specific genres and reapply that elsewhere? Oh yeah, it can help you because uh, Chase, the DP on this film, we, we wanted to look like 70s films. Yeah. I'm older than him, but we shot in 35 millimeter. Yeah. Color. I wanted this film to look like the films I saw growing up in the 70s. Uh, mean Streets. 
Serpico. Yeah. Dog the Afternoon. The French Connection. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't yeah, like yeah. that. That's the look we wanted. And that's what's great because it, it has that feel. It doesn't feel like it's a modern film looking back yeah, at we, a we, traditional part. Yeah, it feels watched, like you've gone to the cinema in the 70s to see this film about something that's happening that's now. That's exactly what we wanted. We, that's why we did not shoot this film digitally. Yeah. It's just too clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need yeah, that yeah. grit, that dirt, and you get that with film, that grain. Yeah. That's, uh, that's beautiful. So, so, so when you came into film... What was your outlook at that point? Had, had had you had all of those rich influences at that point, or were you more of of that raw article kind of of, of coming into it at I the mean, start? I mean, I had seen those movies even before I wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah. But I knew that the sooner I found my voice, it would be better for me as a filmmaker. I also wanted to uh, get a, a style. Yeah. A, a cinematic style. Yeah. And uh, that that didn't happen overnight, but I want to have a style, which which really embodies who I am as a, as a person. Yeah, and that, again, you're one of the the directors who's nailed that, particularly in the fact that as soon as it comes up saying this is a Spike Lee joint, how how, how was that? <laughs> Where did you kind of have come up with that identifying tag of look, this is me. This is going to say from the start. Because, what it because is. I knew I was coming from independent cinema and that, that studios were not going to be spending, I was not going to be having millions of dollars spending my films for TV yeah. and radio ads. Yeah. So I had to, you know, make a name for myself. Yeah. I love it. Again, yeah. it's that simplicity of that stamp right at the start that gives you that. It, again, n- n- not to overhype, but it's like you go into a Star Wars film and you're getting that that scrolling. You're knowing, you're, you're knowing what this is. Yeah. And then... I was thinking about this the other day. People have a signature. Yeah. Like with Pete... Who's that? Yeah. Uh, uh, Pete Townsend. Exactly. Who's this? <laughs> um, for, that's your age. Come on. Is it... Are we going Buddy Holly? No, Chuck Who, Berry. Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. Okay, okay. Who's this? That's Michael Jackson. They've already been People shamed. People have signatures. Yeah. Yeah. Signature. They do something that when people see it, that's who that person is. Yeah. It makes you stand out from everybody else. Yeah. And for me, my signature is the double dolly shot. Yeah, 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 completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, another example, you've got the outline of Jordan on your shirt. Yeah. And Jordan, again, that thing, there was the... The jump man. Yeah, the jump man. It, 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 there was a thing that, that that's... I remember as someone saying that the, the genius of the Simpsons is, is translatable because again, anyone who you can tell who they are f- from their silhouette. Mm-hmm. And again, you've got your Jordans, you've got your, your, your people like Amy Winehouse and stuff like that. It's like, right, you know that you, you know that off the bat, it's that signature, mm-hmm. which hopefully though, you know, there's going to be more than you got to have that else on those too, but that's yeah. a signature. Yeah. Because otherwise it looks like it's a gimmick. Yeah, you can't just be. I'm falling back on that again. Here's my thing, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you keep that fresh, and how do you keep that as as your thing? In fact, was it kind of easier to pull off in the Black Klansman to do your double dolly shot and things like that because it is a retro film? So you're no, you've, you've no, got that harking back. The, 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 the double dolly works anywhere. Yeah. So it, it, I've done that. In, Period films, yeah. Contemporary films doesn't matter. Yeah. 
you gotta have a, you you have a signature, but you gotta have you gotta have some some stuff behind it. Otherwise, you're a gimmick or a one hit wonder. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, we can go talk about many things. People that that they had a hairstyle or something, and that it was that was it. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have the substance to back nope. it up. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Substance. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. So, so is 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 there anyone? What, what films in recent years? I'll start to wrap things up now, as I think we're getting the nod at the door. What recent? films or TV in recent years has has kind of excited you and makes you feel that that I mean, there's progressions? Black Panther changed the game. Yeah, so that that's, that's that comes that's the top of my and, list. And bigger than people realize, I had I had, had Patricia Kalurz on from from Black Lives Matter, and she, and she was saying exactly that that it gave a unification. It gave even just the Wakanda type thing. It gave this positive identification that wasn't associated With to Africa stuff. Yeah, that wasn't associated to stuff that's been tarnished or made to look bad and things like that in the past. And yeah, I I, I it was a weird one when Black Panther came out. I went to see it. I, got, I, I love all the Marvel films anyway. And I was a little sceptical on my on my way in because I felt it is a big deal that there's a black superhero, but all the black families I know have been brought up to know Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and to have these heroes and icons. And it felt like a bit of a, uh, a leftist or, or white media projecting this upon them. But the thing that blew me away was at the end, as this beautiful African music was playing was the white kids dancing along. And it occurred to me that white children hadn't had black superheroes. And that's key for for racial... Y- y- worldwide. Y- 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 a yes. unification as well. Yes, I uh, Worldwide is... It's not... Again, I agree. Uh, when I had Killer Mike on, he was saying that racism is a problem that has to be approached from all sides, from mm-hmm. the white and black. I'm, I'm wearing John Brown on my T-shirt, yeah. the, the, the American abolitionist who, yeah, yeah. who... who Harper's Ferry. Yeah, who, who felt the only way to deal with slavery was essentially to kill slave owners. And it's it takes that unification. And that's what blew me away at Black Panther at the end, was that realisation. I was like, right, those w- white kids, particularly in my small working-class area of Essex, they're not being brought up to know about Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm Essex X and London. stuff like that. Um, it's about f- 40 minutes to an hour out of London. And it's, it is, it's that satellite type, everyone's travelling in. and So it's considered the suburbs? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, again, it was that. It struck me as that 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 importance of Black Panther in that way. N- number w- one to give that that unification and pride of the black community, but number two to give that to the white community as well for them to have a black for kids g- g- growing up to not think all their heroes are are white people in capes. Mm-hmm. So, so, is there anything else of, of recent, or is Black Panther the one that really that stands out to that's you? That's the one. Perfect. That so, changed the game. So. I'll wrap things up now. What's kind of ahead for you? Do you know? Because as you said, Black Husband came out of nowhere. Jordan calls you up and goes, here you go. I don't know what my next one's going to be at this moment. Yeah. That's exciting though, right? Hopefully it comes soon though. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to chat. Love this. Thank you. There we go. That was Spike Lee. Um, amazing. I loved getting the chance to talk to him. Um, I'll get straight onto the no no comment bit. 
because I think it was awkward the five to ten minutes before it and the five to ten minutes after it, but lovely for the rest. (laughs) But that's on my... That's completely on me. Spike was golden. Essentially, if you don't know, um, there's a musician who I've kind of known on and off for years called Boots Riley, who's got uh, what I've heard is an amazing film called Sorry to Bother You Out, which I'm trying to... I'm... I've done some tweets to try and push to help it get um, a good UK distribution because it's an independent black film and it's gone crazy in America. It's this year's Get Out, essentially. But at present, it hasn't got a UK distribution, so I'm trying to help with that. But Boots did a post of what he had issue with with regards to Black Klansmen. Now, again, I want to start things off by saying I adored Black Klansman. As you will hear uh, when I speak into Spike, I cried at the end of it. I thought it was amazing. But I understood Boots' point. And Boots, essentially, it's tough because Boots gave a really respectful critique. And then the media got hold of it. And we're like, Boots has slammed Black Klansman. That's that's not the case. Boots' issue was this. And again, I'm going to, as Spike Quite fairly, no commented again. That was completely fair. I'm not someone who's there to to, to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I'm going to say kind of my view on it. Boots's issue was that for three years, um, the undercover agent um, in question in 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 Black Klansman, the the main character Ron Stallworth, for three years he went undercover in a black activist group and. You know, it was quite an, a negative impact. It was there's a lot of accusation of instigation of of stuff and um, entrapment type things, and in the film that isn't discussed and addressed. Now, I've touched on in the podcast that people come to everything with their own prejudices and bias, and that's not an attack. That's just life. Everything that's influenced you in your life as you've grown up will give you a certain perspective and outlook. That's just a fact. And I know that Boots was involved in a in i believe in the actual group that was infiltrated um so number one he's earned his right to speak and to comment on it and to feel negatively about it but number two he's gonna have you know a a very personal view and a personal attachment to it now whilst i agree it's tough when those things are overlooked i also feel it's filmmaking it's not a documentary um, and as Spike said earlier on in the in the podcast, he decided early on he wanted to focus on the craziness that is just this simple story of a black man infiltrating the, a black police officer infiltrating the KKK, and that was the main drive. So I understand that. I know there was a lot of anger with Straight Outta Compton when um, they didn't address his uh, Dr. Dre's domestic abuse history. And I did a tweet about that at the time. I'd done one before saying I'm, I love Straight Outta Compton, but let's not forget Dre's history. And I got some beautiful responses and comments. One from uh, one of the people who he 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 domestically abused, so it, it meant the world. But at the same time, I said even in that, I'm fine with them not addressing that because it's a film that's covering a lot of years, a lot of situations. I don't, yeah. It's tough. This film, same with Strata Compton, it's not a historical documentary. It's telling the story that, that happened, but it's a dramatised 
selected version of that. So, yeah, that's basically it. I understand Boats' issue, and I, yeah, I completely understand that and can see his anger. But equally, I can see Spike's um, approach of going... Because, again, on paper, the crazy story here is that a black policeman infiltrated the KKK um, and got this this whole section kind of... There was there were arrests. There were, um, yeah, all sorts of things. And, and also in Black Hands, when they do, again, as Spike says, they do go in on the police. They do talk about the fact that some horrible stuff was going on at that time, some horrible racist stuff, and, and ranks were closed. People kind of just went, oh, he's one of us, you know, we'll overlook it. All that stuff is discussed and addressed, but this isn't, a dramatic documentary it's a genuinely engaging enjoyable spike lee joint that yeah feels hugely relevant and important today so yeah i just wanted to kind of address that and extrapolate on that a little bit yeah hopefully i'll have boots on at some point soon um and uh, and we may or may not talk about it more there um yeah hopefully that makes sense Uh, and boots if you're listening i this you know this is complete love i as said i completely understand both sides of this argument um and also also straight after i spoke to spike he went in with my good pal blind boy of the rubber bandits and did his podcast and it's honestly it's one of the 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 best podcasts i've ever heard i'm delighted obviously with what with what you've just heard and you're getting to hear a lot about black clansmen but blind boy sat down and kind of educated spike on a lot of irish history um it's an amazing uh, listen and at the end of that spike addresses a little bit of the of the of the leniency on police question that, that boots brought up and that kind of that kind of he you know commented me on which is fine but i think it feels like i kind of sprung it out of nowhere he wasn't kind of expecting that that question um so yeah, if you enjoyed this, go and check out Blind Boy podcast. Um, it's fantastic. Um, and yes, Sp- Spike was on that. It came out. What day did it come out? On Wednesday, I think, of this week. So go and check that out as well. As said, there's really good just discussion of the history of of. There's hardly any any talk with the films, so it's not like a crossover. Both podcasts stand alone beautifully. So, yeah, go and check that out. As I mentioned in the intro, check out some previous episodes if this is, is your first time. Uh, this year alone, I've had Patrice Clues on Black Lives Matter. That was a great one. I also had a great one, as I said, with um, Alexis Okowu. Killer Mike was fantastic in the past. Akala gave a great history lesson. So, yeah, check all of those out. And I'll be back next week um, with more with more. A wonderful episodes. In fact, I've got a bit of a run coming up of um, of writers and and directors, so it's worth ch- sticking around and, ch- and checking out. Because next week is Bart Layton and, and Barry Keoghan, and Bart is the director and writer of American Animals, which is a fantastic film, and Barry is is the star. And then a couple of weeks after, that, I've got Drew Pierce who did um, who did Hotel Artemis, which is fantastic. So yeah, some good people coming along, and yeah, keep tuning in, and I will see you next week. Ta-ta.